Hi, I'm your host, Aaron, and welcome to the First Generations Podcast, the show where we dive into the personal experience and knowledge of individuals that paved their path to success on their own terms. From entrepreneurs, professionals, and beyond, we will learn what it takes to walk through their journey and what it means to be first generation. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to the First Generations Podcast. Today's guest is Canadian-born Chinese, and he's a first-generation software engineer in the family and also an entrepreneur. He defines himself as someone that is sharing his life's journey and lessons through his YouTube channel, and these lessons include topics such as personal finance, marketing, entrepreneurship, self-help, and personal growth. I am proud to present you my friend, Donald Lee. So, Donald, how's it going? It's going great, man. I'm glad to be here. It's been a while since I did a podcast. How are you? I'm good. And First of all, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. To get things started, you were obviously raised through the traditional get a degree, get a good job mentality. This also involves saving money, being a professional, whether it's like a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer, and like getting married and starting a family by 28. And now you're a software engineer. It's been quite a journey. I think that one of the biggest things that helped me was actually leaving the nest, leaving the home when I was 20, and just going out and experiencing the world, living by yourself. I'm sure you've experienced it as well once you left your your nest, left your parents' house, that you're pretty much left to fend for yourself. And if you didn't get yourself together, then you're not going to survive. But it's it's really been a long journey. There were times when I questioned myself a lot. I think those times have actually not decreased in any way because I'm still questioning myself a lot. But I've just found better processes in order to manage that and come to answers quicker that would be more beneficial to me in my life right now and in the future than how I would approach things in the past. Obviously, from you being a software engineer, you've kind of transitioned or you're also an entrepreneur and you also classify yourself as someone that is sharing his life journey and lessons through your YouTube channel. At what point did you become to classify yourself as that type of person? I started that YouTube channel in university and it started as kind of a way to help other students. You see, I was doing this math course called Discrete Mathematics and if you have been in computer science or studied computer science or any other way, you would have had to go through it. It's in every single curriculum out there in order to get a computer science degree, which is half my degree. You have to go do that. And people had the hardest time doing it. And I think that when I started making videos for that course, after I've done the course, because I realized, hey, I could really help some people. And they say that the best way to learn something is by teaching it. So I went and made some videos and I taught it and apparently it helped a lot of people and I was able to grow my YouTube channel without doing any marketing at all. So I just left it out there and by the end of university actually I didn't know where I wanted to go with the YouTube channel. Of course I still wanted to make videos but it wasn't paying me the cash I needed in order to sustain a livelihood. And so I found a job and I just stopped making videos until really, say, until like four months ago, really this year when I started picking up um, ideas and I was like, 
okay, I'm learning all these things. I've learned a bunch from when I graduated university to now. That's a span of a decade. And a lot of what I learned, I know I could really help people with, but it took a lot through that time of growing and finding who I was and what I wanted to do in order to pinpoint what I wanted to go all in on. And right now, I found the clarity to go all in on this YouTube channel in order to help people because I think that being raised by an immigrant family, making money is a really important thing. It, it was like stressed by my mom and dad because they didn't grow up with much. So they want you to succeed so they would feel secure that you're going to survive. And I think that that's, that's not just you and me. That's, that's across the whole Asian American population between Canada and the United States and every other Western country. That's, 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 that's my opinion. It really, it really just started from there. And, and now I'm really focused after I got the idea that money has to take a back seat because when you help people, as long as you can help people, the byproduct of helping those people, making that big impact on their lives is money. So wrapping my head around that idea, and it's freaking hard because when your entire family is asking you, why are you doing this thing that doesn't make you any money to survive, whether you like it or not, it affects your thinking. So it took a lot of learning and willpower, and it still does, in order to block that out and just chase after your dreams, which I think in today's day, people really have to consider that and be really conscious of that. Oh, yeah. If anything else, I was a victim of that, of that myself. And it's almost as if I'm, I'm kind of making a reference here, but you know the movie The Matrix? It's almost as your description, you left The Matrix, right? And in terms of that, you're leaving your tradi the traditional mentality and, you know, you're living on your life on your own terms. You're not just focused on money. You're also focused on, I believe, happiness and fulfillment. Like, it's kind of like you're unplugging, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. So in terms of the Matrix, then, let's talk about this. It's this little simulated reality. What does the Matrix mean to you? Well, it's funny because I had this talk with a friend of mine the other day. And she was just telling me of how she wanted to find out how to live life according to how she wanted to live it and not according to how society wants her to live it. Because I know that when I was a child, we were, what was preached to us was, okay, you're going to go to school. You're going to graduate high school. You're going to go to university. Find a girl or guy of your dreams, and then you're going to date for two or three years, and then you're going to get married. You guys are going to buy your first house together and have that white picketed fence, and then you're going to have two and a half kids. And you can work until you're 65 and get retirement from the government or get a pension, which I think pensions don't exist nowadays. So it's really funny when people throw that word around. I'd really like your opinion as an accountant on that, especially in Canada. Our pension right now is supposed to be funded by the next generation, right? So I do agree with you. 
technically the money is not there and it's actually being accrued via future earnings or future cash, right? I'm with you with that. There's been a lot of articles and even a lot of financial advisors and financial institutes, they release, they've released some studies and they believe even the pension itself might be diminishing by the time our generation is retiring. So it might not even be enough. There might not even be enough just to fund our, our pensions that were promised. So what do you think is going to happen when, let's say it's not you and me or because we're, we're talking about this right now and I, I, I am planning for this. What do you think is going to happen by 65, 67 with people who don't know about this right now and are just thinking that there's going to be a pension to take care of them at the end of the day? That's, that's a very interesting question. I think there's going to be a lot of disappointment. You are definitely going to have a lot of people that never planned, you know, never planned to have retirement savings or a little or a lump sum of money just to keep them going aside from their pension. And next thing you know, you'll have a lot of elderly people back in the workforce. If anything else, maybe they'll be working minimum wage or maybe even higher, but I think the working age will even creep up even higher. Here in Canada, I believe to the retirement age right now, 65, maybe going in, going on in the future, like 65 threshold could even be pushed to like 70 or 75. You know, I think the lack of financial, maybe the lack of financial literacy in the schooling systems and just in our environment in general is a big problem. Yeah. See, I asked that question because tying that back into your question about the matrix is it's what it's what is fed to us by society. Actually, okay, you're going to work for 40, 50 years. You're going to we're going to have a pension for you as long as you invest in your TF, TFSA, right? And you're going to live off that money. But people get fed that, I'm going to call it a lie because that's what it is. It's plainly a lie. It's the same for the U.S. and the 401k. It's, it's, people are not going to survive on that after, after they retire. They're going to retire for like two or three years and they're going to run out of money. So just to give, like, let's say the Canadian list just some context, the 401k, that's equivalent to an RRSP here in Canada, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So in the States, there's known as a 401k, a TFSA here in Canada is also known as a Roth IRA down in the America, in the States as well. Like, correct? I believe so because for our Roth is, uh, we pay our taxes before we put money in our Roth. And then when yeah. we take it out, it's tax free, which is what I think a TFSA is also like. That's correct. And RRSP is you get taxed, your earnings get taxed when you, when you take it out. Because that's that's what a four hundred one k is. Essentially, it's it's tax deferred, not tax savings, or anything. Right. Unplugging from the matrix for myself really took a lot of pain. Actually, it it isn't specifically related to money at all, but just to asking myself the question: Why have the things that have happened to me? Why did they keep reoccurring? Why did that happen again and again? And why, why do I feel like I'm in the same loop? Why am I always stressed out and fearful after every single situation? And every single one of those situations is involved a woman, of course. And <laughs> they are the greatest teachers ever. It's because of that that I started really digging deep 
asking myself what I really wanted in life. Let's say going back to the Matrix, the, the artificial intelligence, the machines, they're like the bad guys, right? They're the ones that are creating this illusion. Or what in our world would take this role? Would it be societal norms, our own mindset, you know, the government? I may even go on, go far and say the 1%, you know, the super rich. What do you think in our world takes on that role? I really think it's environment and the media, actually, because it's, it's really the media, YouTube, Netflix, television. There is so much garbage out there. I don't know about you, but I don't watch TV anymore because it infects my mind. I actually don't listen to, I don't really watch TV. I'll maybe scroll the news here or there, but I, I totally agree with you. With you unplugging... Obviously, in the movie, Neo had Morpheus and Trinity helping him unplug and helping him open his eyes. Did you have someone like that? I didn't. I, w- I really wish I did because that would help me grow so much faster. And it would have probably helped me kind of embrace the pain much more quickly. Because at first, like for a couple months, actually, I was just fighting the pain and just pointing fingers at people, especially the girl that uh, that I was I was seeing, because uh, she told me she was a very emotional being when I first met her, and I looked at that and I saw this is a red flag, but I chose to ignore it. And I think that every single one of us has been has been there at some point in our lives. Similar things happened when she said something, she would act a different way. And those were all red flags, and I chose to ignore it until I got so deep that I was pretty enamored by her, I'd say, you know? And at the end of the day, she she told me that she was seeing another guy. And I was like, okay. So that really kind of, like, hit me hard. It kind of, like, brought me down, kicked me to rock bottom. It felt, it felt horrible, actually, because you feel like you get tossed aside like a piece of trash i'm just gonna cut in here when you when you said she said she admitted she was an emotional person i'm curious how is that a red flag like how do, how do you perceive that as a red flag well i think that you don't really say that to someone that you don't really know especially like someone who you aren't friends yet and the the vibe was literally it was kind of more of a romantic vibe than a friend friendship vibe, you know. In that sense, it to me looked like a really red flag. Of course, I'm not I'm not going to say that you shouldn't be emotional because emotions are what makes us human. But it's just the wording and timing of things are really things that you should look out for. And that's that's something that that's something that I've learned. It might not apply to you but it's some, it's a lesson or principle for me. From what it, what it sounds like, this was the event that caused you to unplug. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like it was the it was the event because I was so emotionally invested. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're so emotionally invested in someone, and then they just pull the rug right out from under you, and you're like, "What the hell happened?" your confidence and your self-worth just goes out the window. And then you kind of like wake up. You don't want to go to work. It's freaking hard getting ready. 
and when you're at work you're just not in a really good mood you're in a bad mood all the time you're just like festering in in that pool of self-loathing and you know that I was like that for one or two months and the quality of my work was not good and things like this it really when it comes to love and relationships it really affects every single area of your life so it is of critical importance that you have to know the person who you're dealing with and that doesn't mean taking them for their word but taking them for their for their word and looking at their actions to see if they align because what do we have when words and actions don't align they just they just conflict right it it just never really backs things up i believe and i i see actions and that proves more to me than words obviously but yeah no i've been through that too just uh, heartbreak sucks it really gets you yeah so i see that as really a, a a lack of integrity when you see a person who lacks integrity i think it's better even though it's super freaking hard because you've been so emotionally invested for this person for so long and i'm quite fortunate to say that i've only been in to it for like kind of a year but it's still a year of my life which I will never get back time that I will never get back. So yeah. it's so critically important that people look hard at the person that they're interested in, attracted to or looking to start a relationship or a family or a marriage with because that that's 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 some dangerous grounds that we walk on if we're not sure who we're who are with is actually who they say they are. Yeah, I definitely agree. Wow. So, obviously with you going through this this process, what are some important lessons that you would share with people? I really think that observing is a really really good lesson. And another lesson I would say that I've really gotten from this whole experience is to read a lot and find role models find people that you look up to it's super important to have a role model that you can aspire to be like that has been where you are because where you want to get to they are already there so they have all the tools the tricks and the tips that you can utilize in order to get to where they are and books are a great way to finding role models i I'd have to admit that a lot of my role models, they're dead. <laughs> like Napoleon Hill, Abraham Lincoln, Churchill, they're, they're all been gone for years. But, you know, the lessons that they have, they're all recorded in books. And there's still something that you can learn from. But in today's day and age, there's also things like podcasts and, and seminars and events. And those are really, although seminar and events do cost money in terms of like flights, hotels, and, and, and food and stuff. I think it's well worth it. I know you've been to your first event most recently. What do you think of it? Yeah, well, so most recently I went to the 10X conference, which was held by Grant Cardone, and it's a growth conference. And it was very eye-opening. You know, you had a lot of inspirational speakers. These speakers, they're all from different trades. 
So you have like Magic Johnson, which is like a Hall of Fame basketball player, giving a speech. And then you had Kevin Hart, a comedian. And he stood out to me the most because, you know, I, I look at him as a comedian. He's a funny guy. He's all like giggles. When he was standing there on that stage and explaining to the whole audience about his failures in life and how he had to learn from them and how he had to grow and his experiences and basically tips to all of us in the crowd, it was very eye-opening because that was a side that I would never have assumed Kevin Hart to have. It was inspirational. And you know what? It was a very good distraction for me because I was also going through some emotional issues. And I also had the opportunity to meet a lot of cool people. And they're outside of the city. You know, I'm building my network. It's, it was just an awesome experience. Yeah. yeah, your network is literally your net worth. And I think it was at 10x where I heard that the first time. And it is really true. It's also a super hard thing because when you're meeting new people who are at a completely different level and... You know, there's that saying that you are the average of the five people that you hang around the most. If five people around you are losers, here's a pretty good idea who the sixth loser is going to be. That quote is from Jim Rohn, right? Yeah, it was definitely. I think it was from Jim Rohn. So ever since that happened, you know, I've just been upgrading. And I'd say that the people that... I draw around me these days you don't really need to chase them or anything we all naturally gravitate towards each other and in the past you know when it came when it came to a woman I would chase them I would chase them chase them right out of my life (laughs) (laughs) and you always wonder why same with opportunities you chase them you chase them you chase them right out of your life you know, you're wondering why all the time. Why all the why are all the good things that you want not coming into your life, but you seem to be attracting all the bad things in your life, all the things that you don't want. And you know, it's just like a matter of thinking or being conscious of the energy and the vibe that you give out to the world. Because if you're uh constantly negative person always complaining about stuff what's going to come back to you all that negative people complaining about stuff it's it's the law of attraction but after i've really figured that out and flipped things to just be positive and joyful no matter what the circumstance even now when we're in the middle of coronavirus a lot of people are going insane just staying at home but you know, it's it's a time where I find myself thriving. I have I have so many things to do that, you know, it's just the time passes by so fast when when everybody's just at home complaining, when is this gonna end? Right? I'm like, don't ever let this stop, man. This is freaking amazing. <laughs> Let's rewind a bit. You said don't chase, like you're chasing. What do you mean by that? Like is this equivalent to forcing things to happen in life? Because that's, that's what I'm kind of getting. You know, because when you're chasing, obviously the thing that you're chasing is also moving away too, right? Maybe at like a faster rate or a slower rate, but you're still ch- chasing. Like how do you differentiate this from like the go get it mentality, go achieve it mentality? If you've ever yes. been to Chicago, people actually like jaywalk 
across the, the street when all the cars are oncoming because they want to get back to their office. They want to get back to their cubicle to get to work while they're on their lunch hour. So when I first saw that, I'm like, people are crazy. Um, so our culture really have this go get it attitude. And, you know, I think it's right. If you want it, you can go get it. But what we don't emphasize is we don't emphasize the timing of things. You know, like they say, there's a time and place for everything. And I really think that there's some truth to that. You know, if you're chasing a girl or a guy and they're not ready, you know, they're just not ready. You have really two options That's how I see it. You can be patient and observe or you could see what other opportunities are available to you right now. And, you know, for me, I personally, I don't want to waste my time. So I'll be consciously aware all the time of what opportunities are around me, which is a skill. That's a muscle yeah. that you have to work on because I never had that foresight before. I'm not sure if you've heard of this term called Wu Wei. It's actually like a Taoist or Confucianist term. And basically Wu Wei in Chinese translates to no action or non-making. But the whole philosophy or concept behind that doesn't actually mean like you don't do anything. Or it doesn't mean to be passive either. There is a time to take action, which you mentioned, like with the timing of things. And this is done by executing at the right moment, which is the key. And a very good analogy, like like, a, like somebody told me was, think about you sailing. You're not going to force a certain direction. The winds are going to carry you where they are, right? If you try to force yourself to a specific direction, you're not going to get there or you, you're going to pay for it in terms of more, with more effort or whatever it is, right? I'm just curious if you've heard of this. I haven't heard of it, but it's really, it resonates with me because of the idea that I follow that no action in itself is an action. Because you are deciding not to take an action. So in a sense, it's an action. It goes the same way for business and personal relationships. There's many times where you have friendships and business relationships and they just don't work right then and there. You know, it could be that the people, both you and the other person, are in a certain place in their lives. You know, the vibe, the energy those things just aren't there. And you know, what would most people do in that situation? In my perspective, I think either most people would either just walk away or maybe not or even try to force it. Exactly. I think, right? especially in America, where we are sold this idea that if you want something, go after it with all your might. You know, sometimes, and I mean most of the times, chasing is actually more detrimental than beneficial you know because what would happen it's like having an insurance guy that is really sleazy always coming up and knocking on your door every single day every single morning every single lunch every single dinner after so many times you're going to be like i am never going to buy from that guy just because he's so annoying so i think that's that's kind of ingrained in our culture at a subconscious level and it's not very healthy so it's better to be patient and let it go for the time being you know you know you could just plant a seed if it blooms and harvest later down the road and you want to harvest it go ahead and harvest it you know if the time comes around and you think it's a good deal pick it up but otherwise uh, i think 
chasing and forcing things is really it wouldn't be beneficial for you or the other person and it'll pretty much waste both you and the other person's time which is our most precious commodity i definitely agree with you and this concept of not chasing or not forcing or wu wei i actually live by that strongly and you know what i feel that the universe has a very funny way of having things fall together right obviously with this life story how was that for you like with with you and that other girl was this a hollywood film like a disney story like how invested were you did you see yourself marrying this girl dude you have no idea how invested i was in. i was ready to introduce her to my mother and thank god that i didn't not to say that she was she was she's a horrible girl because like you know like where i am right now i love her for everything that she's done for me if she ever came back and needed help Definitely, I would help you. Yeah, I definitely did see myself marrying this girl. and But, you know, as with many, love teaches a painful lesson. I was blinded by love with this girl. But after reflection, found out. I didn't really found out because she said it wasn't mutual. And I should have been like, okay, this is another red flag. And take, take her for the face of her words. But, you know, just like we were talking about, I was chasing. I was impatient. And I wasn't really observing all the signs that the universe was giving me. And, you know, life, as I've discovered, rarely works out in a happy ending like every single Hollywood film there are. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree with that, too. A lot of people in our society miss that. They, we just don't see it. We, all, we only see the good side of things, but we don't ever see, you know, the hard work that's put in, the struggle, the perseverance, right? Right. And, yeah, just life's not a Hollywood film or a Disney fairy tale. Definitely not. And if anything else, like, in a relationship, I believe you both, both parties have to work, work at it. It has, it has to be mutual, right? I'm living with roommates right now. And what I've what I've seen with one of my roommates who's who is dating several guys at a time, I'm like, okay. But to go on that route, you know, it's it's how do I put this? I'm gonna segue this into that discussion I was having with my friend because she's having she's having a problem with having too many passions and just wanting to wonder how to niche down into one problem that she can turn into a business. But when we're talking about relationships these days, it's like they have that saying of diversify your risk, like we're trading in stock markets or something. And we are both, nobody's at fault. I mean, like, it's just the way things are. It's just reality right now. A lot of girls are seeing multiple guys. A lot of guys are seeing multiple girls and they're diversifying and they're splitting their time amongst multiple interests or you could say passions. But if you look at it that way, you can never really find that joy and happiness and that special kind of relationship that everybody is looking after. And by diversifying, you know, you're splitting your time with 
multiple interests, but you're not really getting deep with a single interest. It's really when you get deep is when you really find like that spirituality, that that connection that really goes beyond the physical. That's what I think. And that is where you can find like joy and happiness because as social creatures, evolution, nature has really kind of engineered the human species as more of a collective than an individual. If you take a if you take a look at it, you know, society, everything won't work if we were all doing our own things. But as a collective, you know, you have someone who is who is growing your coffee beans, you have someone transporting your coffee beans, you have someone that's selling the coffee beans at the Starbucks that you go to the Starbucks to buy. It all works as a collective. Oh yeah. This kind of ties to like, you know, the traditional mentality too, you know, like go be a professional. And you know, we're not we're not all like we can't all be doctors or so, or something because everybody's different. You can't take a mold and expect everybody to fit into that same mold. That's just not how things work because people are just so variable. There's just they're just so different that that's never going to work out. So when it comes to that, I would say that like it's it's really up to you. Um, it really depends on what you want. Uh, I think that using modeling is a very good technique to kind of determine what you want to give up right now to attain later or what you want to attain right now and give up later. So people really think about the instant pleasure that they get now, which is why I think our hookup culture is so fucking amazing because <laughs> we're thinking of getting the pleasure right now, not realizing how damaging it could be for us later down the road. And, you know, you see it all the time yeah and from what it sounds like even just to add on to elaborate or add on to that we as human beings were so we're introduced to like social media and you know technology to the point where we are always chasing these well most of us are chasing these short dopamine fixes and what dopamine is is dopamine is a hormone i believe that your body produces and it makes you feel good right so because of that, that's kind of influencing us. And a lot of us have issues and don't have the commitment to do things long term. Exactly. I like how you brought that up. Let's move on and say, what's these life lessons from what you've talked about? How are you applying these lessons to your current accomplishments and your way of life? I don't call them accomplishments. I just call them things that I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm actually taking my personal power to actually do them. <laughs> I think a lot of people actually, I was there, where have you ever felt that you wanted to do something, but you always find some excuse not to do it? Have you ever been there? Of course. We call that procrastination. Exactly. So all throughout my life in grade school and high school and university, I procrastinated so much. I wasted so much time. And it wasn't really until I did all this self-help, so this personal development that really gave me a really little fire under my butt, actually, that I had the potential to, to do a lot of good things in this world. And 
just like putting me in that state, putting me in that momentum is what keeps the ball rolling. I know that if I ever stop the momentum, then things will things will fall apart. So that's why I'm doing everything in my power to just keep that momentum going. But yeah, I'm just piecing every single jigsaw puzzle one by one every single day to make sure that they fit into this big puzzle that I hopefully will finish by the end of my life. That's that's really all there is to it. I won't say that they're accomplishments or anything. I just say that they're layers of an onion that I have to peel. It gives me it gives me purpose and it, it makes me happy and joyful to do them. And I don't know anyone who would want to run away from pleasure. So that's 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 the only reason why I'm doing them. <laughs> and it helps a lot of people. So you mentioned you were reading books. Is there a book that you recommend to our listeners with unplugging from the matrix? Uh, I think unplugging for me, it took a lot of pain for a lot of people. They also took a lot of pain, but pain serves a really important lesson because if you don't reflect on why you're feeling the pain, it's just going to come back again and again. Um, it's, it comes back to you because life is trying to teach you a lesson, but you're not willing to learn the lesson. So, what I experienced, the pain that I felt was so bad that I started looking out for outside resources. I started asking friends for book recommendations and they recommend the book and it'll lead me to other books that I that that I found through Amazon that were really great reads. And the first one that I read was really The Five Love Languages, which is by Gary Chapman, who was a pastor. I think it's really eye-opening in terms of knowing that everybody has up to two of the five five love languages, I believe, and just knowing that really helps communicate better uh, between between partners. Other than that, yeah, there's the Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and the Path Between Us by Susan St- Suzanne Stabile. Both are based on the Enneagram, which is kind of a personality test like the Myers-Briggs. It's kind of like developing self-awareness. Not only yourself, because when I read those books, I really discovered how I ended up where I am, how the me that is me right now is me based on all the experiences that I've, that I've, that I've been through. And taking the framework there and actually applying that to maybe the girl or the guy you're seeing and everything they've told you, you kind of put one and one together and you're, you kind of see how they came to be the person that they are today. And the great thing about it is you can really find out whether this person is uh, a toxic person, an average person, or a really healthy person. And if you want to live a really stable, joyful life, I really think that you would have to find someone who is healthy and that supports you, and that's the best way to go. Otherwise, it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. I also left out two, which I think is really important, which is the famous bestseller, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It is a great motivational book uh, written by Napoleon Hill, who I think was the person who 
interviewed a bunch of successful people um, in the time when Andrew Carnegie was still alive. He Carnegie commissioned him to do that research, and it was a uh, it was a result of talking and researching why successful people are successful in terms of not just wealth, but just the way that they think and how they approach life. For example, if they're put into this situation of coronavirus, the thinking that they'd have, the mindset that they have, would be very different from a lot of the mindset that the public has right now. But that aside, I think that the last book that I would really recommend is The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. So my next question I have is, what does being first generation mean to you? I think it really means being a catalyst. It really means being an explorer. You know, you're going down a path that no one has gone down before and no one will ever go. And it's your specific journey unique to only you as an individual that has been born into into this world. And, you know, along the way, you'll find people who will share your values, your beliefs, and your vision, and they'll join you along that journey. And on on that journey together, you know, you'll share laughs, you'll share disappointments, you'll cry together, you'll laugh together, you'll share some great times together. But your time will expire. Everybody who was on that journey with you will go on. They'll start walking their own journey. So everybody is actually walking on their own first generation journey. And, you know, your journey is carried on. It's going to be built upon by those who join you, but they're themselves, but they're also the first generations of their own journey. From what I'm getting, it's like being a pioneer, just like you being the software engineer, and then you're going on to entrepreneurship, and then you're unplugged out of the matrix, and you've kind of set your own path into how you're choosing to live your life. Exactly. I mean, like, we're all literally influencing each other. We all have our own experience to accept certain parts of that influence one that we can really gel with and reject certain other parts and we take that along and we're just pioneering our own journey that's what being first generation means to me no that's deep so last question i have for you before we wrap up this podcast where can we find you on social media you can find me on my youtube channel which a lot of people don't market (laughs) i found a lot of influencers they don't have they have a bunch of instagram accounts but no youtube channel but my youtube channel is at youtube.com forward slash course hack you can also find me on instagram at donlee50 which is d-o-n-l-e-e five zero and you can also find my me at my website coursehack.club and course hack is exactly how you spell it c-o-u-r-s-e-h A-C-K. Oh, awesome. All right, Donald, just to wrap things up, I want to thank you for your time. Appreciate being here. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube at First Generation Podcast. For any questions, comments, and inquiries, please reach out to Aaron at firstgenerationspodcast.com. That is A-A-R-O-N at firstgenerationspodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next episode.